0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Day on the calendar, amen, to invite someone to church with you. Revelation 18 amen here this evening you know we, we probably could have been a lot further if we quit all these pit stops on wednesday nights i'm telling you along the way and uh, hopefully we can just get back into the swing man of things revelation 18 i'm going to start with verse number one here this evening the bible says and after these things i saw another angel come down from heaven having great power the earth was lightened with his glory and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the greatest fallen, is fallen, is and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached into heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her, double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. Isn't that a neat way of saying something? I never thought of it. I've never seen someone say, boy, they really live deliciously. You know, but nevertheless, so much torment and sorrow give her for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. She's pretty confident, isn't she? Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine And she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Simply tonight, my subject is Babylon is fallen. This is Revelation chapter 18. This is part 16 as we're numbering here tonight. And uh, we'll just ask God to help us. Father, I love you tonight. I pray, O Lord Jesus, that you would help us, Lord, in this endeavor of, Lord, teaching your scriptures God, I don't want to just be up here, Lord, just sharing information or be as a lecturer at a stand. What makes the difference is your anointing. Asking, oh God, for your anointing, God, to just come upon our hearts and our minds in the next little while. that there be a revelation of truth, Lord, that will be able to touch us. We can glean something from these words, this holy book. We'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name that I pray. Everybody say, Amen. You may be seated. Babylon is fallen. Amen. The chapter here this evening opens up with a phrase after these things. And so, anytime you see that, you've got to look backwards, of course. After what? If it's saying after these things, after something, something had to take place. And what it's referring to is the very last chapter that we studied, Revelation 17 which was the fall doom, pronounced doom and doom, if you will, as it's portrayed as John is seeing this and understanding this from the angels. The doom of Babylon on the religious side, the false church as as we knew it. And so it's referring to chapter number 17. And so therefore, with that, we have an understanding that what takes place in chapter number 18 then comes after chapter 17 and say, yeah, 17, 18, great job. You know, Pastor, glad you got that. But again, not all things in Revelation is like that, you know, just by chapter by chapter falling in order. But we know particularly that this is the way things are that this this happens. So after the fall, of the religious side of Babylon, the religious side of Babylon, after it falls, sometime later will come then the commercial or the economic, whichever you wish to call it, will come that aspect of Babylon that will fall. It will come after the religious side. So the religious side will fall first, and then the commercial side. And one one angel made the announcement we hear in Re- in Revelation chapter 17 that there came one of the seven angels which made an announcement to him about the religious side of Babylon fallen, but the Bible states that there came another angel in verse number 18, another angel, uh, angel, a different angel than that which was in 17 to make his announcement as well. And so what we can deduce from Scripture is this, is that the, the religious aspect of Babylon, chapter 17, is destroyed, from our understanding, around somewhere are somewhere around the the beginning of the last three and a half years. The beginning of the last three and a half years. While the commercial side of Babylon is going to meet its doom and it's dealt with toward the end of the last part of the three and a half years that we oftentimes call the Great Tribulation. And just to kind of settle that in our spirits without regurgitating everything that we have learned, that, that last week of Daniel which is a seven-year period of time. Remember, at the midpoint in that week, the Antichrist will enter that rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. He'll cause the sacrifices and the offerings to cease. He'll enter the temple according to Thessalonians, and he will be acting and presuming the role as though he was God. And also at that time, according to Revelation 13, The false prophet who's been gathering together this group of people to make up the false church will finally urge them that they must worship the beast. They must worship the image of the beast. They must become the first church of the Antichrist, if you will. And so that's all taking place during this time frame. Also taking place during this time frame then is as this false church is there riding upon that seven-headed, ten-horned beast that we studied in chapter 17. Those ten confederate kingdoms, which is symbolized by those ten horns, are going to turn against that harlot or turn against the religious side of Babylon, and she is going to be destroyed. And all that's taken place somewhere around the middle spot of that seven years, that three-and-a-half-year mark. All of this is happening toward the beginning of that time of great tribulation. But the woman that is destroyed by the political power, amen, this woman that's destroyed by the political power that we read of in Revelation 17, she's quite arrogant because she thinks she's in control but soon finds out that she is not. She's, she's destroyed by the political power she's riding upon. And there's a difference between these two aspects of Babylon in that the, the religious side of Babylon is overtaken by men, this ten confederate kingdom overtaken by men who undoubtedly ultimately are guided by the hand of the Lord and they're doing uh, some things that they don't realize it's being guided by the hand of God but on the surface it looks like she is destroyed by men but when we come to chapter 18 the commercial side of Babylon it's just absolutely with no 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 doubt that she is destroyed by the hand of God it's God's hand an act of God That brings down the commercial side of Babylon toward the end of the Great Tribulation. Chapter 17 speaks of the doom, amen, of the religious aspect. Chapter 18, the doom of the commercial or government side. And for one thing, years ago, I'm talking about years ago, but years ago, uh, there was a time in the ancient world that commerce and government were particular to each nation meaning that they were self-governing bodies in each nation commerce was within the nation itself not much outside there was none of this global commerce type of thing that went on it was whatever you could find within your own nation you didn't cross lines or go outside of that they were, they were, they were particular to each individual nation in other words you use the oil that was in your own nation you didn't use it from anywhere else that was unheard of you just didn't do that you know it was all just self contained but that is not the way it is today there wasn't this overlap of government and commerce or, for that matter, going to far reaches of the land and having a lot of import and export that took place. But that's, again, not the case in today's world because we're living, we're living in a world, man, of global commerce. I mean, you can get on eBay and get something from China. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're, <laughs> you're, today, this is global commerce. And so in reality, we have... We have just the way in which the world has been steered. We have a global economy. Um, uh, In in reality, without anybody setting up a structure, without anybody having a name or endorsement, by our own means of buying and selling, export and import, we have, although we don't have to label it that, but we have a really a one-world economy already. Yeah, because what happens in one part or nation of the world invariably affects other nations of the world. It's easy that whenever uh, we, a few years ago, went through a little bit of a lull concerning our stock market and our financial systems, that had impact on other nations because we're tied together. We're tied together through our commerce. We're tied together through export and imports. Uh, you know, if, for us, for instance, if there is a tragedy in the Middle East right now concerning oil, that's going to impact you and I because we're a part in this network of a global economy. And so financial stabilities are dependent or interdependent upon one another. And so the cry of the angel comes, cry of the angel comes and underscores in, in our first second verse actually, tells us about Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen. The angel is speaking about with certainty that Babylon is going to fall for once said it twice have you ever had your mama tell you something twice it's because she meant it all right she really meant it pick up your room i said pick up your room all right he's saying babylon is fallen is fallen there's certainty uh, that is there and once again this word fallen we've come to this before it's in such a tense Because in the Greek, there's certain tenses, but it's in such a tense, it's being spoken as though it already happened, although it still has to be fulfilled. It's so certain, so definite that it's going to take place. It's spoken as though it already has taken place. And not one word we know as Christians today, not one word of God's holy book or his prophecy or of his promises will fail. All right. And so when we look and consider Babylon just by itself again, Babylon has always had a negative aura about it. There's not really been anything real positive about Babylon from the very beginning. And so with that, though, we understand in verse number 2 where it has come to, what type of habitation it has become, it's never been seen in the positive light, but now we're seeing what is inhabiting Babylon. So here, you know, it's kind of like one of those places. Uh, Jissa, for instance, and I don't want to knock off on anything, but uh, we were, I, were, I was in Edsville yesterday. Uh, my mom asked me to come to the hospital to see my father and them. And so I was there, and uh, we took her, me and my sister took her out to eat my mom out to eat a little later, and she had different places she wanted to go. Every place we was going, one was going to be 25-minute wait. She didn't want to wait that long. Another one, two people come out, said service is horrible, good luck, blah, blah. We left there. Went to another place, and the parking lot was a little scarce who was in the parking lot. That always worries me. Yeah. And so we got in there, and I just asked Siri. I said, uh, give me a review on such-and-such such restaurant on such-and-such such street. Bad review. One star out of five, you know. I said, uh, I'm not interested in salmonella, E. coli, anything today, you know. So, what I'm saying, you you could tell certain things by uh, who frequents there, the type of people, or the lack thereof. Well, whenever you look at Babylon and you see who goes to the Hotel Babylon, all right, and you look at the list, uh, it's a habitation for devils. It's a habitation, the Bible says, for every foul spirit. It's a habitation for every unclean bird. Now, if that's the clan you run with, I guess that's a great place for you to go, you know, go to Hotel Babylon and you'll get clock in to whatever, pay your dues. But uh, for me, that is not necessarily, you know, the place that I want to frequent, the place that I want to cause to be my habitation or that I want to call home. Amen. And so this bears true, though, what it states of all these things, that there being foul spirits there, devils there, unclean birds, if you will, that are there. All of this is very true from the prophecies of Isaiah. In Isaiah 13, Isaiah even prophesied of a day concerning Babylon that she would, number one, she would be utterly destroyed, not not just, not just come in and ransacked and overtaken by another kingdom or another empire, but she would be totally destroyed in that there would never be another stone placed upon another. Isaiah prophesied that. That has never happened as of yet. She's been rebuilt, and there's been inhabitants there outside of demons and devils, okay, uh, and so on and so forth. So that's never come to pass yet, but it will. But it also spoken of, and I like how, how one translation of the Bible says it, it speaks that it's a place where demons would come there to dance or a place where demons would celebrate babylon would be and so it's just it's just a prophecy bearing true even here in revelation just reassuring uh what's going to take place and what's going to happen in that day and another thing we must remember at this period in time which is ahead of us at this period of time the world is being rampant by evil and demonic spirits at this time you think it's bad today Remember, from our studies from the past, there's going to come a time the bottomless pit's going to be opened up and there's going to be those foul, evil, demonic spirits that come flooding up out of there. It's going to run rampant over all the earth. Uh, Satan he's not in the prince and power of the air now he's cast down to that dominion where is he and any other of his imps they're walking along the course of the earth and so she is absolutely proliferated with evil and demons and foul spirits that have been released and so you know I'm, this is just me thinking I guess the closest thing that resembles home for these spirits is Babylon you know yeah, it kind of looks like home to me it's kind of lewd and wicked and that just feel right at home right here at Babylon and so that's where they go and it says that it will be a habitation the word habitation indicates and this was interesting it indicates a place where residents settle down with the idea of a protracted residence in other words we're going to stay here we're making this home for a while we're not expecting to uproot and leave so this has become their habitation demons are set you know it's a lewd place if a demon feels comfortable there, if the devil feels comfortable there. Uh, I don't want uh, that type of atmosphere to be, ever be the atmosphere of the church, that lewdness, evilness, wickedness, and all those things feel comfortable in the house of God. Amen. The Bible even speaks about uh, the unrighteous should not feel comfortable in the house of the righteous. It's not because we're pointing fingers, we're all this out, but there is a spirit of the holy righteous God here that brings conviction upon the spirits uh, of people, particularly spirits that may be unholy or not right or in the sight of God. When we come to verse number three, verse number three starts to set the stage for why. Why the kings of the earth and the merchants will be sorrowful over the destruction of commercial, what I'll say, commercial Babylon. Babylon. We see later about their sorrow, lamenting and bewailing that she is destroyed. And this already sets the stage why they're going to be unhappy concerning her destruction. Number one, the kings of the earth, related in verse number three, have committed fornication with this commercial Babylon. In other words, they're in a, if I state it like this, they're in a give and take relationship, all right, with commercial Babylon. Babylon. And so whenever she is destroyed, all right, we're speaking of an idea, a concept, a city here, whenever she is destroyed, they lose what she once offered them, all right? And this give and take relationship, so whenever she's no longer there, everything that she per se offered them is no longer there as well. And so they're lamenting uh, some of that uh, concerning their loss. And as far as the merchants, the Bible says that they waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies in other words for the merchants she highly responsible because of her she is responsible for their riches and if she goes their riches go Their are merchants here buy sell trade whenever she goes commercial babylon falls apart then their riches everything that they hung their hat on Falls apart as well. And so, verse number four tells us that God, amongst everything, she, she's horrible devils, foul spirits, evil birds, and he calls, no doubt, still yet to a remnant of Jews that, that, that are around in that day, and he's calling his people, hey, separate yourself from Babylon. Separate yourself, I didn't even say this, separate yourself from the commercialized Babylon. Because as it would be, folks, we're, we're easily ensnared with material things. We are. Yeah. And so he's saying, separate from Babylon, get away from her, separate from her, come out of her, don't be partakers of her, so on and so forth. There's a plea. And in reality, we're saying, wow, you know, God's doing this. Well, what God will do in that moment is not any different than what he's doing now or what he has done in the past. That has always been the call, come out. Always been the call, come out, separate yourselves. Let there be a distinction. Let there be a a for sure known difference between who is mine and who is not mine. Amen. But he calls the Jews that are in existence at that time to separate themselves. Separate yourself from the weakness of the world then. That's been the practice Back then, that's the practice now. As a matter of fact, in Numbers, whenever Kor and his group was rebelling against Moses and had a few other cohorts, Dathan and Abiram, and they were doing some bad things that God caused the earth to open up and swallow them. God told them, he said, listen boys, he said, you all going to have to separate yourselves from the tents of wickedness. That's what he told the people. Separate yourselves from the tents of wickedness because their judgment is this, the earth's going to open up and swallow them. And if you don't separate yourselves, you're going to be swallowed up as well. All the way back in Numbers, he's telling them come out come out from them separate yourselves Lot in his family being there in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah the angel of the Lord comes taps on them saying hey you got to get out of these cities God's going to destroy them with with fire and brimstone and if you don't separate yourself if you don't come out you're going to be destroyed along with them And so there's a little bit of a a progression of understanding in this particular verse, in verse number four. Because the progression of understanding is this. First, Christ is telling them, come out. And he also admonishes them, be not partakers. And then lastly, he says... Don't, and if you do all this, you won't, receive, you won't receive any of the plagues that is to come upon Babylon. You won't receive any of the plagues that will come upon her. If you kind of work all of those backwards, it's kind of like this. You'll save yourself from her plagues if you don't partake in her sins. And you won't partake in her sins. It that, that will be, it'll be possible for you not to partake in her sins if you separate yourself from her. You'll have have less of a tendency of participating in her sins if you separate yourself from her. There's a good rule of thumb, not just for tribulation days, but for right now. You'll have less of a tendency of participating in the sins of the world that's around you if you separate yourself from the world. Amen. Amen. The Proverbs 4 and verse 14 the wise man Solomon writes and says enter not into the path of the wicked go not in the way of evil men avoid it, pass by by, pass not by it turn from it and pass away I mean that, that's pretty strong language don't, don't go into the path don't even go by that way avoid it pass don't be even tempted to even try or endeavor to go that direction you know uh, like they were saying used to be you know just ignore it like the plague you know just stay away at all costs you do not want to become partakers the word partakers comes from two words one meaning fellowship and the other one meaning together with because to fellowship, if I'm putting them together, to fellowship together with her sins, commercial Babylon sins, will make you a recipient of her judgment. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple thought process, really. If you do what she does, you'll get the same judgment she gets. Amen. And so it's not really that difficult. The Bible tells us in Acts number 10 and 4, if we can go on to verse number 5, and I'm just... Uh, take anything off anybody's mind I'm not going verse by verse okay it might seem like that for a little bit but I'm, not. I'm going to make some jumps here okay Acts 10 and 4 the Bible says and when he looked on him he was afraid and said what is it Lord and he said unto him thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God I speak that because whenever Christ or the angel is speaking to John in verse number 5 he speaks of Babylon's sin and says her sins have reached into heaven well, this is the story in Acts 10 of Cornelius. His prayers and his alms reached into heaven. And so just as Cornelius' deeds, and I'll underscore good deeds, of alms and prayers reached into heaven, so likewise are bad deeds, sins. He said Babylon's sins have reached unto heaven. The Bible states it like this in Ezra 9 and 6. The Bible says, and said, oh, my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespasses is grown up into the heavens. Now, we, we've preached Acts 10 many times. Man, your prayers, your alms, don't worry, everything you're doing right now. It, it might the answer might not be right now. Glory. Somebody say amen. And you know, uh, they're building up a memorial before God, and He can't forget what you've been doing. Well, on the flip side of it, on the flip side of it, our inconsistencies. Uh-huh. Our infractions are doing wrong. Let me ask you what type of memorial are you building? Cuz I see two things reaching to heaven. That which may be positive, that which be negative, or it might be like this, you're building a memorial. It it comes down to that, but what kind of memorial are you building? I mean, he says, well, their their sins came up to heavens. Amen. Come up to heaven. How how's this happened? Well, we've seen it through different occurrences how it happened. Man, we read throughout the history. Uh, even the very beginning, the first murder, the Bible says that Abel's blood cried out. Cried out to God from the ground. Uh, whenever, whenever Sodom and Gomorrah was in the wicked uh, situation that it was, there was an outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah. The, Gomorrah, the Bible says, that reached up into heaven in Genesis 18. The Bible speaks in, John, in Jonah 1, Jonah dealing with the city of Nineveh. It speaks in terms that Nineveh's wickedness came up before the Lord. So we're seeing wicked, uh, wrongdoing, things of that nature that's making its place to the heavens, that's reaching the heavens. And, and the, the whole concept is this, uh, whenever these sins reach heavens, it's kind of playing off the idea all the way back to Genesis 11 where that first tower of Babel that they were building, going to build this tower until it reaches heaven. Well, it did, but not in the positive light that they wanted. It was a tower that reached unto heaven the heavens through a negative type of light if you will and the, the, the scenario is this in due time everybody say in due time god remembers our iniquities there is something that nobody can escape and it's the law of a harvest that whatsoever you sow that that's scary that will you also reap. And so none of us can escape the law of the harvest. God eventually, he said, the sins have reached the heaven. God hath remembered in verse 5. God hath remembered her iniquities. Ecclesiastes 8.14, just a couple of verses here in Ecclesiastes. I'll read them from the King James, and then I'll read them from the Living Bible Translation as well. <clears throat> King James will be up there for you. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth that there be just men, and that's not saying, okay, we're talking about righteous men, all right, to say just, not just just men like there's no ladies, okay. That there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. In other words, there's righteous men, but there's stuff happening to them as though they had done something wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. There's wicked men, and it seems like they get some type of payback that a righteous man should get i said that this also is vanity uh, reading from the living bible it states like this there's a strange thing happening here upon the earth providence seems to treat some good men as though they were wicked you ever been there and some wicked men as though they were good that is all very vexing and very troublesome ecclesiastes 8:11 the bible says in king james because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Living Bible says it like this, maybe for a, just a clarity. Because God does not punish sinners instantly, people feel it's safe to do wrong. In one of my perusals of reading one of the many books that I read or have read. I was reading a book called From Beginning to End, The Rituals of Our Lives by Robert Fuldrum. Great read if you want to pick it up. Write it down. Nevertheless, he was speaking, there was a chapter in there he was speaking about those areas of our life where we do something once. He was talking about rituals, but to contrast that, he was speaking about those things that we do once or for the first time. And he said he'll never forget it. He said he was a young boy. I don't remember how old he was, maybe somewhere eight or less. And he said he did this. It was the first time he ever did it. He snuck into where his mom's purse was. He got out some cash. He betrayed her by going across three roads that he knew he wasn't supposed to go across by himself without any aid, but he did it. He went to the store and he was going to buy some candy that he knew his mom didn't want him to buy. And even instead of buying it with the money that he stole from her purse, he ended up just stealing it from the store. And he got by with it the first time. And he got by with it the second time. And the third time, mom found some candy wrappers in his pocket when she was doing laundry, and some chains, and she knew he didn't have no money. And... He stated, he said, still the watershed moment was the first experience of theft and lie. He says, having learned that sometimes, listen to me, sometimes you can deliberately do something wrong and not get caught. He said, right and wrong became a matter of weighing the chances and consequences of getting caught. Knowing that I could play with fire and not always get burned was the path that has led to trouble. Ever since. Amen. And so the writer in here speak to us, he's saying, God remembered Babylon's iniquities. It would seem like she got off scot-free. It seemed like she did the dastardly deed and there was no judgment. There was no recourse. There was no slapping of the hand or uh, the rod to the backside. But he says, hey, if it looks like there's evil somewhere and it's getting by with it, if it looks like something is going on, like like an evil is getting righteous treatment and then the righteous are getting evil treatment, if it looks like all that's taking place, again, folks, God keeps very good, very good records. And don't start within yourself being a righteous person you know what maybe I should dabble a little bit in that because some of them have gotten away with it God doesn't judge see they're got away scot free but the that's the whole dilemma if you start stepping on that you might get by with it time number one time number two but sooner or later there's a memorial that's building up to heaven whether it's good or bad God's going to take notice and he's going to deal with what needs to be dealt with we would think throughout scripture that the high priest Aaron got by with a lot he was there with the devising of making the golden calf Amen, at the base of the mountain. He was there whenever Moses smote the rock, whenever he should have spoke with the rock. And he's the high priest. Why didn't he say anything? Nothing's happening. Man, we got, he's, the, you know, Miriam speaking against Moses. She gets leprosy. Here's Aaron, scot-free. What's going on? She's got leprosy. All this other stuff, the Levites, you know, they're all, all the, uh, the, 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 the many that lost their lives at the base of the mountain from the golden uh, cap that was made. What's going on? Yet, whenever it comes time, God says, Aaron, come up to the mountain. Strips the garments off of him. As soon as they come off of him, he's a dead man in the water. God had not missed a thing. God had not missed a thing. The Bible says in Revelations 18 and verse 6, he's speaking, he says, okay, here's what we're doing concerning judgment. He says, reward her even as she rewarded you. And double unto her, double according to her works, in the cup which she hath fill, filled, filled to her double. Uh, the instruction that I was given as a kid or an adolescent, don't remember really where that came, but nevertheless this is the statement don't give it out if you can't take it and for, for me the words in the application for me was this, don't do a prank or be sarcastic towards someone if you'll get mad and upset when they return the prank or the sarcasm so concerning Babylon, here it comes reward her even as she rewarded you, Babylon, <laughs> don't dish it out if you can't take it because it's coming back home. This is where in Scripture, now we're at the end of time, judgment is fallen. The golden rule's out the door for God right here, okay? You understand that. It's not uh, Matthew seven twelve. It's not, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you, uh, do ye even to them. He's not trading the Babylon. I'm going to treat Babylon kind because that's the way I want Babylon to treat. No, we're at the end of the world here all right at the end of the world golden rules out the door for god he's it's not bad it's you're going to get coming back to you exactly what you gave out what you gave out it's coming you're going to have to take it babylon psalms 137 and verse 8 it says "O daughter of babylon who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Now, if you start thinking from the beginning all the way back at Babel, Nimrod, throughout the history of time to the last days, all and everything that the spirit of Babylon has been behind, honey, she's in for a rude awakening. Jeremiah 50 and verse 15 says, For this is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance upon her, speaking of Babylon, as she hath done do unto her. Jeremiah 50, 29, he said, Call together the archers against Babylon. All you that bend the bow, camp against it around about. Let none therefore escape, recompense her according to her work, according to all that she hath done. Do unto her, for she hath been proud against the Lord, against the Holy One of Israel. Jeremiah 51, 49. As Babylon hath caused the slain of Israel to fall, so at Babylon shall fall the slain of all the earth. Babylon, it is coming back to you 10, 20-fold, whatever you wish to say. Verse number 8 indicates for us in Revelation 18 that whenever Babylon's destroyed, we're not talking about this long drawn out process. Whenever Babylon is destroyed, commercial Babylon, it's going to be very swift. It's going to be very sudden destruction. The Bible says that her plagues come upon her in one day. Amen. The swiftness of her ruin is seen in the cries of the kings of the earth and the merchants. And uh, the mariners as well. Because the Bible says in verse number 10, concerning the kings of the earth, they cry out, they're saying, oh, alas, the great city of Babylon, for in one hour is thy judgment come. The merchants state the same thing. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught. Uh, The mariners say the same. For in one hour is she made desolate. In one hour, that might not be a literal set of time, but they're just saying it's going to be quick. It's going to be swift. It's going to be sudden. And so we understand a little bit then why God said, come out, my people, don't be partakers, because if you are, you're going to suffer from her plagues. And we have a little bit idea now from verse number 8, what those plagues and those sins that they're escaping from, what's going to come as a result of that? Because her plagues, the Bible says in verse 8, will be death and mourning and famine They're going to be burned with fire. And those are just the ones that at least Scripture records for us and gives to us. There may be a whole lot more, but those are some things that we know. Get away from her or you're going to suffer the same things. In Revelations 18 verses 9, now here's the jump, 9 through 19. All right? Because I can summarize this because there's not anything we got to get real detailed about here. And 9 through 19 is the lamentation of those who mourn the loss of Babylon. Again, the kings of the earth, namely three groups. The kings of the earth, which would represent more of the political power side. The merchants that had dealings with her, the financial power, if you will. And the mariners, those who had ship and actually did the transporting uh, of the goods. And so when we consider that, the kings of the earth are crying and they are bewailing and lamenting for her because... The Bible says, and again, here's the wording, they lived deliciously with her. (laughs) Amen. They lived deliciously. They, They did well with her. And they, listen to me, and this is important, because they're not so much torn by her being destroyed as they are of how it affects them. Personal loss. Not so much concerned over her loss, but how it affects them, personal loss. So they're crying, alas, alas, again, it's more than just a cry of the kings of the earth mourning over the fall of Babylon. They're crying over their personal loss because, listen, when Babylon loses, everyone and everything that's attached to Babylon loses. When she loses, everyone attached to her, everything attached to her loses revelations 18 15 speaking of the merchants the merchants of these things which were made rich by her by babylon shall stand afar off for fear of her torment weeping and wailing verse number 11 tells us concerning those merchants that they weep and they mourn over babylon because why no one will buy their merchandise anymore because this hub the city is gone it's no longer there and folks let me tell you you want to talk about a hub of trade you read verses 12 and 13 and it begins to list all the merchandise that was exchanged, imported, exported right from this hub of Babylon, as a matter of fact one person kind of divided it into about seven different categories and it probably does well but you look at precious wares such as gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, it's listed there materials of very rich attire fine linen purple silk scarlet you have materials uh, uh, that may be made of costly furniture all fine wood, every vessel of ivory, most precious wood brass, iron, marble, precious spices such as cinnamon, spice incense, ointment and frankincense there's articles of food, you have oil and wine and fine flour and wheat that's listed in those verses there's merchandise for the agriculture and domestic use, there's cattle, there's sheep, there's horses, there's chariots and then verse number 7, you have mere men trafficking human beings that's going on as well Their, their bodies, the souls Of men, as the scripture calls out. And so, those involved with Babylon through commerce, they're going to be devastated because they've been dealing with her through commerce. And listen, let's tie a scripture from Revelation 13. At this juncture in the road, you are taking the name, number, all right, the name, number, or mark of the beast for what purpose? Huh? To buy and to sell. So they're going to be devastated because they could only buy or sell if they had done this thing of taking the mark, number, or name. And so now, though, this economic system of buying and selling, it no longer exists. So here it is. They've they've exchanged their lives. They've taken the mark, name, and number. They've exchanged their lives to be able to buy and sell. They've exchanged their lives for all of this, but now it's not there what happens it profits nothing and so the old scripture comes back to mind what will a man give in exchange for his soul I got this morning everything so I could buy and sell that whole commercial side is going to collapse there's nothing there there's nothing going to be deb- this that I have in my hand or my forehead profits me nothing but now I'm damned for hell Mm-hmm. I'm damned for hell. The Bible tells us in Romans 18 and verse 14. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after, he's speaking to these, that walked this road, went down this line of doing all that. The fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. And all these things which are dainty and goodly are departed from thee. And thou shalt find them no more at all. In other words, he's describing the permanence of this is just not a bad day. This is just not a bad economic season. This is permanent. It's not getting better. Whatever loss you have today is the loss you'll live with. That this is not going to get better. And in the process of it all, you've damned your souls, amen, for the end to have absolutely nothing but hellish flames. Wow, what an outcome. You know, didn't see that one coming, you know. Amen. And when we look at the, the mariners, they, they got their fair share of gain by importing and exporting the goods, their shipments, their ships on their vessels. But now they don't have any cargo. For that matter, they couldn't do it if they wanted to because remember, in the seals, everything in the ocean is going to die and that's going to be floating on the surface. Remember how all this inner, all the waterways and stuff are going to get very frustrating anyway. And so all of this is going downhill. So we have, we have these three different categories. Men, they're mourning and bewailing and lamenting the loss of Babylon. Everybody is sad except verse 20, except heaven. Mm-hmm. Everybody that's tied into this, very sad, dismal, overwhelmed, but heaven's not sad. When the earth is sorrowful, heaven is rejoicing. Amen. Matter of fact, the lord spoke to the heaven and he told heaven to rejoice in verse 20 he told the apostles to rejoice he told the prophets to rejoice he's commanded them to rejoice he says in verse number 20 he said rejoice over her thou heaven ye holy apostles and prophets look now for god hath avenged you on her in other words god has pronounced on her the judgment that she desired to be imposed on you it's kind of like the old the old uh, Haman uh, Mordecai scenario Haman's preparing the gallows for Mordecai but whenever the day's in it's Haman's own head that's in the gallows that he prepared for somebody else and that's kind of the essence of this story Babylon has this great scheme and plan you know for Christ and those that follow him but the table's going to turn. What she has prepared for him is actually going to come upon herself. You can look at verse number 21, and whenever you see this, this is something that's been prophesied before, and this is just a footnote for you to go back and look at, Jeremiah 51, verses 60 through 64, because Jeremiah had already prophesied about this, making a ride and casting it on a stone and throwing it into the river. Now look, and yes I'm getting through a chapter tonight folks Do you do realize this if you look at verses 22 and 23 we see the condition of Babylon commercial Babylon after she has fallen now this is a place of commerce so there it, it was used to a lot of hustle and bustle a lot of activity a lot of sound but everything has very quickly come to an halt There is silence. There is no music. There is no dancing. There is no exchange. There are not voices. It's silence. Everything is stopped. The Bible even tells us. You can read through those verses. There are no longer any musicians. It speaks of the harps and different ones. They're no longer there. There's no celebration going on. The craftsmen, people that had some some art or artisan that had some type of craft that no longer exists. There's no reason or purpose for it. There's no grinding going over in the mill stone house anymore there's no food being dispersed because there's no activity no one is there there's no lights lights are out in Babylon you know it was the city that never slept so to speak the city that never slept there was always something going on in Babylon the Bible says there's no there's no voice of the bride or the groom and we're not talking about the church in Christ but whenever you talked about marriage you talk about whenever you talk about marriage babies being born and dying you're just talking about the the normalcy of life that's just, a regular, that's just a regular cycle, flow of life. They're saying, hey, there's no, there's no bride and no bridegroom. In other words, every sense of normal life has ceased. Every sense of normalcy has gone. Everything of the marrying and giving of marriage, all of that is gone. Bab- Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.